0: You know, God is doing such extraordinary things among us. You know, as we're gathering together these last number of weeks or last number of years, you know, and especially over this time of fasting and prayer, we've been seeking after God. And this is what I've been watching. I've been literally watching God change people's lives every week. I told somebody the other day, my favorite time of the week is Wednesday night. You'd say, it should be Sunday morning. It's Wednesday night. I absolutely love our small group on Wednesday night. We're doing Experiencing God right now, and I'm literally watching, and I see this every time I take people through Experiencing God, um, which is a workbook. Um, I literally watch God transform lives in that 13-week period of time. And the last week was kind of funny because two of our gals, um, myself and the Drakes, Suzanne and I and the Drakes, are leading that class, and both of our wives could not make it, and they were both... Suzanne had to be for something at school and Lori had to be for something with kids ministry because some, some people were sick and she had to fill in. And they're both like, we don't want to miss, it's awesome. And the reason they were saying that is because we're literally watching God change lives. God's changing my life. And friends, God is just doing extraordinary things among his people. That week after week after week, there's hardly a Sunday that goes by or a week that goes by when somebody doesn't report that someone asked Christ in their heart, for the very first time. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but that's not normal. That's not normal. That's the blessing of the reality of the presence of God on a congregation. Almost every single week I'm amazed as I talk to people and I see them developing in likeness. I'm amazed as God challenges me to grow. You know what? I've not got it all figured out yet, and neither do any of you. And I love as God is continuing to challenge us to grow. And, you know, Pastor Bruce mentioned it already in in the offering time, but but I want to mention to you that last Sunday, you know, we think everything's going on here. Last Sunday, kids in our kids' church once again gave their lives to Christ. And, and another one said, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit last Sunday in, in kids' church. And once again in our Sunday service, multiple people said, you know what, I'm going to... Um, listen to that prompting of the Spirit of God within my heart, I'm going to respond and ask Jesus into my life. And people, you know, continue to look to Him for, for healing and for freedom. But maybe the thing that overwhelmed me the most recently was last Sunday when Tony Trier's son, Terry, and I asked Tony for permission to do this, Terry took the opportunity in our Sunday morning service to give his life to Christ, to ask Him to be his Savior and his Lord. And there's more to it than just a simple, a simple story. You see, um, Terry, saw, Terry was here visiting from Florida. He doesn't live in Wisconsin. He was visiting from Florida. And he had made plans to be in Wisconsin because he was coming up this weekend because he's 100% convinced, like all of us, that last weekend, the Packers would be playing at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. He literally had his plane tickets bought. He was 100% convinced the Packers were going to be there. He had made friends, arranged with friends, had tickets arranged, and he made plans to come to Wisconsin to watch the Packers play in the final game of the playoffs at Lambeau Field before they went to the Super Bowl. But we all know something happened. The Packers played their stinkiest game of the entire year. The receivers forgot how to catch. The quarterback kind of forgot how to throw. And everything else that could have fallen apart fell apart. We don't want to relive that, that, no. (laughs) But because Terry had made arrangements um, to already come up here, he decided he might as well come up anyways. And on Sunday, there was no game to go to, and so he responded to his mom's invitation to come to church. And when he came to church, when he was supposed to be at Lambeau Field, and he was given the opportunity... He welcomed Jesus into his life. You know what, friends? Maybe it's not so bad the Packers lost. <laughs> suddenly, the sting of the Packers' loss isn't quite so bad. Tony, you're, you probably weren't all that set out the Packers, anyways. But suddenly, the sting of the Packers' loss isn't so bad because circumstances worked out in such a way that the son that you'd been praying for for decades has Christ into his life. You know what? Tony is a happy mom, and we're happy with her. You know, we'd been praying. She'd asked us all. She'd sent out emails, please pray for Terry. He's coming to Wisconsin. He needs to meet Jesus. God is good. You know, church, it is so wonderful to see God fulfilling His purposes through His church. It's wonderful to stand back. Sometimes we get in the middle of, of, of life and we don't really see what's going on around us. But if we step, take a step back from the church that we're part of and we look, it is wonderful to see God fulfilling His purposes through our church. And one of the essential purposes that God has for His church is that we would be people who would influence others to seek and to find Jesus. That's one of our purposes, one of the reasons we exist, that we would be people that would influence others to seek and find Jesus. You see, friends, people are, we know that God loves people. He created mankind to be in a a close-knit relationship with himself. But scripture teaches us that because of sin, that relationship's been broken. Man's been separated from God. So God established the church. He said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. He established his church. To be a place where people would come to seek and to find forgiveness of sins through His Son, Jesus, and be brought back into a relationship with God. You know what? He fills this church with incredibly ordinary people. Look at the person next to you and say, You know what? You're kind of ordinary. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. Some of you are saying, I don't like that. But here's what I know after 20 years of pastoring. The church is just filled with ordinary people. Now watch it. Some of you are saying you're not even ordinary. <laughs> but He fills the church with ordinary people whom He then calls to follow Him. He then forgives them when they turn to Him and then He empowers them with His Spirit for the purpose of influencing others so they can come to find Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, He wants us to be, to be people that are so transformed by His presence in our lives that we care about the things that He cares about. That he, and He cares about people who are separated from Him and He says that they're lost. So as the Spirit resides within us and influences us, we also care about people because He cares about people. We care about people who are separated from Him and we influence them to seek and to find Jesus. You know what? I'm so glad that we are seeing that purpose fulfilled among us. Now there's a section of scripture that I want us to look at today that can help us as we give ourselves to this purpose. Give ourselves to this purpose of influencing others to seek and to find Christ. See, because like Tony, we all know people who have yet to meet Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And and like Jesus, our heart beats for them. We want them to come to find what we've found. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go back into the Gospel of Mark today. If you're new to the church, you might not realize something, that that we have been going just section by section through the Gospel of Mark. And we took a detour from that for a little while, kind of over the holiday season and the beginning of the year for a prayer emphasis. And what we're going to jump into the Scriptures today is exactly talking about what I'm talking about today. And the interesting thing was, that wasn't a plan. I knew, I really sensed in my heart what God wanted, us, wanted me to talk about today. And then I looked at the Gospel of Mark, what we, we had left off on, and I said, Lord, this is exactly it. Not only that, Pastor Bruce will know this. When we made, enough, when we made plans on how we were preaching through the Gospel of Mark, and he was preaching last fall, um, the last time we ever preached in the Gospel of Mark, we chose to skip the section of verses. And said, you know what, we're going to skip over that. And Pastor Bruce went to the next section of the Feeding 5000. When I opened up my Bible and I went to it, I said, God, this is talking about really what we want to talk about, what, you, what I feel you want to talk to me about. So grab your, your Bible and open up to the Gospel of Mark, the 6th chapter. Chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark, starting in the 7th verse. It's telling a story about Jesus sending his 12 disciples out on a, mission, on a, on a ministry trip. And it says this, and starting in the 7th verse. It says, and he summoned summons the twelve, the twelve disciples, and began to send them out in pairs, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals, and he added, Do not put on two tunics or two coats. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, and as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. And they went out and they preached that men should repent. And they also were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. What do we have here? You know, we find here a setting and a story that's unique to a certain time and a certain place. God's not giving us instructions to act like they acted in particular. Jesus had just gathered his 12 disciples together and sent them out to minister in pairs to other Jewish people living in various towns and cities. And the Gospel of Matthew tells us those details. He took them and he sent them to out other towns that were, that were filled with other Jewish peace people that had been dispersed. And they were sent out to, a, to the group of people who understood the Old Testament law They were Jewish people. They understood the Jewish traditions. A group of people who were looking for the Jewish Messiah to come and to rescue them. They wanted the Messiah, they didn't know it was Jesus, to come and to rescue them from from Roman control. They wanted another Moses-like deliverer to come and set them free. And so the disciples listened to the instructions of Jesus, and they went out and they told these folks that Jesus had sent them to, basically said this, we'll pray for you and then we'll tell you, turn from your sins and turn to God. And Jesus gave the 12 some interesting guidelines as they were to do this. He said, take no extra money, take no extra clothing, stay in other people's homes, and if you're rejected, just you shake the dust off your feet and move on. And when we read the last couple of verses of that, of that story, it says, we find that when they went out and they did this, according to the assignment and the directions of the Lord, that they had great success. Matter of fact, it says, many demons were cast out. Did you notice that when we read it? many demons were cast out, many people were healed, and we can assume that many people turned from sin and to God. Now friends, our situation is not like theirs. You know, our situation is quite different. Not many of my neighbors are versed in the Old Testament, and they're sitting around longing for the Messiah to come and set them free from oppression. Anybody have neighbors like that? Not too many. Some of you do who live in the North Shore might. Seriously. Strong Jewish community. But most of us don't have a situation like that. I don't have that in Grafton. So the situation is is quite a bit different. Yet, there are some principles involved in this this story that Jesus tells that can help us as we commit to influencing others to seek and to find Jesus. There's some things we see in the story that can really be beneficial to us. And the first and the most obvious of all of those is the one that I want to focus on today. I just want to look at one point today. And it's this. That Jesus sends his followers out to the people who needed ministry. That principle is true as just to do as today as it was back then. That Jesus sends his followers out to the people who needed ministry. You see, Jesus understood something. And he wants us to understand something. That so many of the people that he loves, and you know this God doesn't just love people who go to church. Sometimes we get that confused. God's not angry with people in the world. He died for all people. He just wants us all to come in a relationship with Him. And Jesus understands and He wants us to understand that so many of the people that He loves won't come to Him and won't come to His people for help. And so He sends His people to them to offer them hope and offer them help. That Jesus sends His followers out to the people who needed ministry. Friends, much of the ministry that we are to do for others is out there. We forget that sometimes in the church world because we love church so much. We love coming together and singing songs and being with one another, drinking coffee, having donuts, having fun, talking about stuff. You know, this morning I talked to somebody about rabbit hunting. You know what? I try not to too much, but can I brag? Who knows what a Taurus judge is? Taurus judge. A Taurus judge is this cool little handgun that shoots that shoots four ten shells. Four tens a little shotgun shell. John, what am I this year? I'm five for five. I'm running rabbits with a pistol. And so, yes, so some of you go, Oh my goodness, he killed a rabbit. You don't want to meet your tomato plants, do you? Right? I'm just helping you out in your garden. And so, you know what? We love coming to church. We love talking about Jesus. We love talking about everyday life. We're supposed to be a family. It's wonderful, but we sometimes forget that much of the ministry that, we, that we're to do for others is out there. It's outside the walls of the church, and it's done by all of us really ordinary people in our ordinary worlds. That's why I wanted to talk about the fact that we're ordinary today. Because sometimes we think the work of God is to be done by paid clergy who go to Bible college and seminary, and we come out and we're supposed to have all the answers. Guess what? We don't. My job is to help other people do ministry out there. My job for me is to also do job ministry out there. We've got to understand, the bulk of the ministry that God has commissioned us to do does not take place in the walls of a church. And you understand something, friends? There's a method to our madness in how we do church at Portview. Matter of fact, many of the things that we do here, we do in a certain way to equip all of you to do ministry out there. You know why we do prayer circles? We just did them today. We do them about twice a month. You know why we do them? You see, we know we always want to give God an opportunity to do miraculous things in our lives as we seek Him in prayer. He tells us, if we ask, we'll receive. So we're going to ask. If you've got, you know, God heals migraine headaches when we pray. And so we believe that thing—that stuff really happens if we ask Him. So we ask and we receive, we understand that. And we could accomplish that objective of church by every week just calling everybody forward and, and Pastor Bruce and I going and praying for people. And, and you know what? I believe God would do some, some wonderful things that way. He really could. But we know something, friends. We know that, that much of the ministry that God has called us to as a family is out there. So when we encourage you to pray for one another in here, what we're really trying to do is to teach you how to pray for others' needs out there. It's a very intentional reason that we do it that way. It's to equip you so that when you go out there and the person who's next to you and on the assembly line and the person who's next to you, you know, is a as a neighbor and they say, you know what, you're not going to believe it. The doctor just told me I got cancer. You know how to pray. You've been doing it, you've been doing it a couple times a month in church. You've been teaching learning how to pray for people out there. You know, understand that if you are a Christ follower, that God has empowered you to minister to others. Every one of you. You don't have Rev in front of your name. If you're a follower of Christ, He has empowered you to minister to other people. Here, but especially out there. The text that we read here, Jesus says something. He says He gave His disciples authority to do ministry. To pray for the sick. To pray for the oppressed. Jesus' final words to His church... To you and me, to those who would follow him as disciples for all time. His very final words to the church was that that he was giving us authority to do ministry. The very last words of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth to Jesus. And he says, therefore, based on that authority, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I'm giving you my authority to do ministry. So we strive here to help us understand that. That God's empowered all of us, every one of you, to do ministry out there as well as in here by the authority of the Lord, the anointing and the power of the Lord. There's another way that we try to equip you here for ministry out there. And it's by the way we end almost every one of our church services. You see, most Sundays I end my sermons with an opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Don't I do that? Almost, right? Almost every week. And it's so wonderful to see that almost every single week somebody responds. But the way that I do that is by using the same basic gospel presentation every single week. And I do that on purpose. I basically explained to you that man started with God and then God because of sin. They're separated from God because of sin. But that Jesus came from heaven and the reason he came was to take our sin upon himself to pay for the guilt of our sin and that when we come to him then we can find forgiveness. And then if someone is feeling a tug from God, something inside of them saying, that's for you, we then give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I want to respond to what God is doing in my life. And I often say something like, I've not tried to coerce you. I've not tried to do anything. You're sensing something inside your spirit. That's God. The reason that I present it the same way every week is so that each of you will understand how to proclaim the gospel out there. How to explain the gospel to the person next to you when they have spiritual questions. So friends, as God sends you out to influence others to seek and to find Jesus... As, you, as, you, as this becomes assimilated into you from week after week after week, you'll be so familiar with the basic gospel that you'll be able to explain it to anyone. Does that make sense? You know, somebody has said to me, actually multiple times, people have said to me, Pastor Mark, I want to tell so-and-so about Jesus, but I just don't know what to say. And I'll say, how many years have you been listening to me? And I'll go, you know, one, two, three, whatever, five, seven, eight. And I'll say, how do I end every service? And they'll, still, they'll tell me, you say this, 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 and this. I say, what did you just tell me? They'll go, the gospel. I'll say, go and tell. So we, do, we work hard to equip us for ministry out there. You know what? There's something else we do here to help you go as you commit to influencing others to seek and find Jesus. It's that we structure our services so that you can feel comfortable bringing the people that you are ministering to out there in to here that you can be confident that they will hear the gospel in a spiritually safe environment. That's one of my jobs, to create a spiritually safe environment that you will be comfortable bringing people in. You say, well, why is that so important? Because usually, this is what i found, and I think it's just true, that the hard ground in ministry that happens does not happen in here. It happens out there. The hard work of ministry happens out there in just ordinary people, loving on people, sharing with people, talking with people, praying for people. But then they generally make a commitment in here. You know, there there, there is something spiritually powerful when a group of believers in Jesus gather for worship. Scripture says that where two or more are gathered in His name, that He is there in our midst somehow in a special way. So there is a very strong influence of the Holy Spirit in a place like this when we gather together in His name. So it's the right place to bring people into from out there. We bring them into this place as we minister to them out there. You see, I want you to think of it in maybe a new way, a simple way. I saw this a while back, and when I saw it, I said, That defines exactly what I'm always trying to say. I want you to think of two words invest and invite. Can you say it with me? Invest and invite. That's the simple way it works. You invest in people in your workaday world, and you invite them here. You see, God sends us out to invest into others. We love them because Jesus loves them. We pray with them and for them for healing or wisdom or freedom or whatever because Jesus wants to set them free and heal and touch them. We share the gospel with them. We meet their needs out there. We're like the good Samaritan who are walking through the, through the streets of life and we see somebody in need. We don't walk to the other side of the street like the, like the religious crowd did. We act like the Samaritan and we go to the person in need and we say, how can I help you? And we literally give of ourselves. To help people in need. That's ministry out there. That's investing in people. It's being the best neighbor in your neighborhood. It's being the person who babysits for free. For the people in the neighborhood who don't yet know Jesus. It's helping out any way you can. In people's lives. Investing in their lives. And then we invite them to come into an environment. Where God can seal the deal. We invite them to come into our church family. Where they find love and acceptance and grace. And they experience the reality of the presence of God. And here's what I need you to know, friends. That's not some church's idea. That's God's idea. He said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, do not forsake the assembling together of one another. He said that when you're gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. He said, I am creating. I want to create a culture, an environment. So that when you invest out there, you can invite them in here. And their lives will be transformed. And that's why we give the people you bring in a chance to respond to what God is doing in their life when they come in here. It's teamwork, friends. It's invest and invite. And do you realize that last Sunday, Pastor Bruce mentioned it? As far as we know, three people made first-time decisions to ask Christ into their lives. Two here, and one in Kids Church. But do you understand something more important, maybe? Not maybe more important, but just as important that each of them was brought by someone who had invested in them spiritually before. That's the principle we need to get. Each of them, we say, we rejoice that God is changing people's lives. And friends, the only reason we exist on this planet is to lead people into the kingdom. That's why God leaves us here. But it doesn't happen automatically. It happens because people last week invested into them, some for decades, praying and ministering and loving and then invite them in. They were each brought by somebody. You know what? No one walked in off the street last week and just said, I need to meet Jesus. None of your neighbors or your family or your co-workers just happened to show up and find Christ as their Savior and Lord. And sometimes we pray that way. Oh God, just bring people in off the streets. It doesn't happen. Could it happen? Sure. But almost never. 100% of the people last week who gave their lives to Christ came in because somebody invested in them And then invited them. 100%. That's God's plan. That's what happens as we invest and invite. I want to close with one question. Tony, was it worth it? It was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it, the investment and the invitation. Would you stand with me this morning as we close in prayer?